Welcome to the Next Tuesday Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Susie. I'm Caroline. And we're making women great again, even though we were already pretty great. We share authentic business stories, one woman at a time. We're a little Wall Street and a little woo-woo. We'll see you next and every Tuesday. Hello, and welcome to the Next Tuesday Podcast. Your weekly dose of inspirational and just darn tootin' fun female interviews. Darn tootin'. It's the country in me coming out. Tootin'. I just think of farting. Yeah, uh, probably, probably. Anyway. Well, happy Tuesday, or whatever day you're listening, guys. We just hit over 11,000 downloads for this podcast, which, which is really insane and inspiring itself. Yeah. I mean, I forget people listen to this sometimes, and then they talk, and I know I've probably said this before, but like, people will try to talk to me about something that happened on the podcast, and I'm like, oh, oh, you, you listen to it. Okay. Because it's just kind of weird because we don't get that, like, direct feedback from people like right. you do if you, like, do an event or, like, email yeah. people. Um, Which you guys can always email us if you, like, yeah. like something or want us to know things or you just want to have conversations. Next, twos, T-U-E-S, podcast at gmail.com. Like, we want to hear from you. Yeah, we'll get back to you. We'll totally get back to you. Yeah, if there's ever anything that you even, you might even get shouted out. There's a tendency that people who do email us, we're like, oh, hey, you. Hey, person that we've never met before, but we still love anyway. Thanks for writing to us. It's like a moment of, oh, cool. Um, Well, one of the things that we wanted to talk about in the intro this week is something that Suze does really well. I've implemented into my business and life and that's batching just anything to streamline a process is an a plus in my book yeah so when we talk about batching what do we mean Suze? well in the case of doing the same thing over and over again but not at one time like for instance editing episodes like there's a million other things caroline and i have to do so If I just commit to like one afternoon to get through as many episodes as we have to edit so that the main chunk of the episode is finalized, it means that I'm not having to do it every week for the week that it's due Mm -hmm. and taking time out of my schedule to do it, to do it. Because it takes a lot of time to like sink into a groove, right? You know, like anytime you're doing any sort of task that requires anything over a minimal amount of brain power or even a minimal amount of brain power, like takes a while to kind of like settle in to your groove in that way. And so I think it's really, really helpful to, to kind of get there and stay there instead of getting like zoinked out all the time. And like, it's like the four hour work week, like right. if anyone's heard of that and that they talk a lot about being really mindful of when you're checking your email and the times of the days you're checking your email, even the days. And they talk a lot about utilizing your time effectively so that if you check your email first thing in the morning, you are you know kind of what you need to respond to or what you don't need to respond to, and then you can designate your time to the tasks that you're prioritizing that day uninterrupted mm-hmm. because we all know you can get 5 million emails and respond to all of them and not do anything. anything that's that's been something that I really struggled with um for a while and just email after email after email and like being responsive and 
clients that are freaking out about stuff. So I have implemented batching in my practice as well. Um, like I've even got alliteration going on. I have trademark Tuesday. It's when I file my trademarks for the week. Yeah. You know, I'm implementing finances Friday. Somebody gave me that because I need to be better about like doing my expenses weekly instead of doing them like when you every feel half like a year when I feel like it, when I think about it. There's a really cool conversation that was had at the broad um, at, at our, an event um, where some someone had stood up and said that what she does for her work week is she divides her day into blocks every day. She has a three-hour block in the morning, three-hour block in the afternoon, and then like a one-hour block in the middle to like catch up and do emails and things. And that's she breaks down her projects into, okay, how many blocks is it going to take? So how many three-hour blocks am I going to need and where can I fit this in my schedule? And I was like, that's amazing. It's like batching on steroids. Mm. So I'm gonna, I would love to implement that in my life. I don't know if I can quite get there, but I thought that was awesome. Blocking. I blocks. like it. Speaking blocking. of blocks, who's on this block of the podcast? Girl, we got somebody who we, we both love. Um, she's coming in. She started a very, very cool... I guess I guess it's like a gathering community, yeah, a national it's gathering, national, national community, now. right? Where do-gooders come together and talk about how they can essentially bring doing good out of just your designated block of time and into your everyday life, where it's not just something you do on the weekends, or it's not just something you do on Thursdays after school from three to seven, or like. You know, every Thanksgiving you volunteer for Meals on Wheels. She talks a lot about integrating, and she consults with organizations on a larger scale about integrating these do-gooder practices essentially into their everyday operation. And inspiring communities. Yeah. Across the country. So this week we have Becky Crum. So we are super excited to introduce her to you, and maybe you can implement some of this cool stuff in your life. Be a do-gooder. Be a do-gooder. Do good. Women supporting more women doing good. (laughs) This season of the Next Tuesday podcast is brought to you by our lovely sponsors, one of which is Riot and Revel. Riot and Revel is a designer of paper goods, wedding stationery, brands, creative, custom merriment for all of life's celebrations. You can find her online at www.riotandrevel.com or riot.and.revel on Instagram. Heather basically gave us the glow up we needed to go from trailer park to, I don't know, you know, the Chrysler building. So if you are wondering why we started looking so good all of a sudden, it's because of Heather. And our second sponsor of this spring series is Vanessa Selick of Storybook Imaging and Intimate Chapters. She's a lifestyle and boudoir photographer who captured our quirkiness, weirdness, and downright authentic selves. You can find her at www.storybkimaging.com or www.intimatechapters.com if you're looking for her on Instagram, you can find her at Intimate Chapters or Storybook, E-O-O-K, Imaging. Thanks so much, you guys. We are so appreciative for our sponsors. Take a check, and I'll see you next Tuesday, too. Women supporting more women. Okay. Hello. Welcome to the next Tuesday podcast. That is Susan Kinahan. Susan Kinahan. And I'm Caroline Fox. And welcome. And today we are sitting with Becky Crump, the founder of Mindful Mornings and also the founder of Wellwork. Hey, gals. Hey. Hi. What up? Nothing. Everything. 
everything. Nothing and everything. Real answer is everything. Fake answer is nothing. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, what's all around? Because that gets even more like, what's up? This guy. Why are we here? Why are we here? So why are we here? Can you tell us a little bit about what is Mindful Mornings and well work? Yep, happily. Okay, so... Two things. My world lives in these different places. Mindful Mornings was started about a year ago as a first Friday of every month speaker series for do-gooders who want to make the world a better place. And what's a do-gooder? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I haven't actually defined it. Maybe I should. Anybody that tries to help the world, essentially anybody that tries to give to the world more than they take from it. Like that's their mission in life or one of their missions and they can do it in a bunch of different ways. I'm not here to judge what doing good looks like. It could live on a really vast continuum. Um, What I was noticing about a year ago, maybe a little over a year, is that we were kind of working in silos and it wasn't about tax status. It wasn't nonprofit or for-profit. It was just all of us were really busy, um, but trying to do really important things. And I thought, man, what if we could just very simply bring people together and shine a light on some of the people, programs, and initiatives that seek to support the social good? And then I think that was the door creaking. I think there's a ghost that's just coming. We got a ghost, guys. It's cool. It's fine. Welcome. Uh, You're welcome here. Um, So I I was trying to break down these silos, um, also trying to build community. And kind of selfishly, I had found myself wanting for more of a like-missioned, not community that didn't necessarily share the same mindset. So that's what Mindful Mornings was born from and we've been rocking and rolling ever since yeah and now it's enrichment and can you tell us where else you've planted seeds yeah okay so this is uh-huh yes <laughs> I'm like this could turn into a this could be podcast style or therapy session it might vacillate between the two or um, both okay cool we are both all right rocking you've got a therapist and a lawyer so <laughs> we can totally literally, literally all i need i just need a contractor and somebody in here doing nails and hair and that's yeah, like yes. my social service <laughs> I need that. I do. I do too. Um, So where are we? Richmond's where it started. Uh, Obviously, we've got a good group. We get about 120 people, I think, at each one with a wait list that's growing, which is nice. And then, um, yeah, it's a lot. It's fun. And then Asheville and Atlanta are up and running, which is wild. And then uh, we have Ann Arbor, Michigan, Springfield, Illinois coming online in March. And we have interest in Chicago, Miami, Oakland, Charleston, South Carolina, and some other cities too. So hoping to grow fast. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to put on a first Friday do good in event, you know who to contact. Be a chapter founder. Be a chapter founder. And as I say, save the world in under 15 hours or, you know, at least try. Or perfect. Or, or, or just try, try a little or bit. Or just try yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And well work. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well work. Um, so well work, I have been doing, I've been a consultant for a number of years and more kind of the communications and marketing and organizational transformation spaces. And about eight months ago, I decided to strike out on my own and uh, created WellWork, which is a consultancy that focuses on community engagement. And we get there through a couple of different pathways. One is communication strategy. The other is um, program design. And then the third is really understanding partnerships and and, um, working within more of a collective impact model to make all of those things um, more successful. So who would be your ideal client? Yeah, okay. So I say that we seek to support companies. We seek to help companies that seek to help. So it's really anyone within that 
very broad statement. So again, it does not go back to tax status. It essentially says, are you, is your company completely dedicated to helping? Cool. Is a portion of it dedicated to helping? Cool. Are you wanting to help, but you're not quite sure what making the world better looks like? That's okay. We can help with that too. What the companies I won't work with are the companies who don't have that initiative baked in or aren't exploring it in any capacity. Got it. Yep. Well then, yeah, because then why would they want to hire somebody if they were just like, we're just faking it, but we're going to spend money. No, I'm way too soulful for that, man. Yeah. Because I'm going to try to lay some truth on about saving the world. And we need to be, one thing I learned um, from being a consultant is that you do your best work when you are matched appropriately with your clients. And I mean that, I mean an emotional match as much Mm -hmm. as I mean an intellectual match. So this allows me to emotionally match with the people that I work with and then provide the intellectual skill that they need. And really, mainly, the biggest thing about consulting is you're providing capacity and perspective. You're not saying you're smarter than or better than. You're saying you don't have time for, and I have time for. And because you have to work in your organization, you don't see things I can see when I'm on the outside of it. So allow me to come in and provide that. Um, So that's the work that we do. Cool. And so you said a couple of times, we're going to save the world. So what does saving the world look like? No, don't ask me big questions. <laughs> um, I haven't finished my cappuccino, ladies. Um, <laughs> I know. Sue's hard questions early in the morning. Hard questions yeah. early in the morning. Okay, saving the world, oh God, it can look like a lot of things. I think that it's a big statement to say, like, become a chapter founder and save the world. I don't mean that you are single-handedly going to do that. Collectively, if we all focus on that and if we all think that, If we all think we can do that, if we all strive to do that, if that's the big goal that we set, that it makes our actions more grand and it guides our steps in a more powerful way. So I don't think I'm going to save the world alone, but what I'm going to do is kind of live into that notion and feel into the power that I have as an an individual. I guess what I'm curious more about would be what would, because we all come from different perspectives. So if we're all making the intention to save the world, that could look very different for all of us, depending on what that means. So leaning into the emotion of it or into the do-gooding of it, like what would a world saved feel like, look like? What are all of our actions creating? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, man, hard-hitting. I feel like this is a Barbara Walters interview. Oh, you know. Um, It's good. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, So uh, I don't, for me personally, I don't think it looks like some utopic society Mm -hmm. where we're all living in joy all of the time and there's nothing negative. I was listening to The Art of Living by Thich Nhat Hanh the other day. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he talked about that I really kind of wrestled with was that there has to be the good and the bad. And he doesn't mean there has to be universal suffering so that you feel happy. This is not, at least that's not how I interpreted it. And that's yeah. one of the things I like about him is you can take it and interpret it in a way you kind of like, but he also speaks very plainly too. But so I don't think it's some utop- utopic society where everything's joyful and, and blissful. Mm-hmm. What I think it looks like is people being compassionate with one another. So I think the world as a better place looks like a compassionate world looks like compassionate people, self-compassion, um, compassion for other, that compassion for self and other, creating compassionate communities, creating compassionate regions, creating compassionate countries, and in that, and then creating a compassionate world where we just really deeply give a shit, right? right. We're not going to get it right all the time, but we're going to fucking care hard, really, really hard. And so when I think about making the world a better place, We could talk clean water access, we could talk sustainability, we could talk, you know, a ton of things, 
But I think for me, it comes down to a deep, compassionate caring because I feel like if that happens, then we'll work to solve for other things because yeah. we'll care about other things. No, thank you. I, and yeah. I think yeah. that's the big thing too is like we can talk about saving the world, but if we don't know what the, that feels like or what that looks like or we haven't used the word compassion or we haven't thought about things yeah. um, from outside of our business standpoint and what we're giving as a business, I think it's just helpful to create dialogue around what that looks like so we all can show up wherever we are as whatever do-gooder to say like where are my actions driving from are they for self or are they for other or is there a balance between without judgment on any of it but yeah. just building the awareness to say huh so how are you compassionate to yourself you're running two companies mm-hmm. you've got a family you've got a really like a giant family giant well mm-hmm. giant family <laughs> really cute kids how That's are fun. you how are you compassionate to yourself uh, okay. This is when we go therapy mode. Um, I am, I struggle with this a little bit more as in, I think we all do, right? Yeah. I think it's a, it, it's a little bit easier. We think it's easier to project things out than it is to internalize. I would argue that unless you internalize and work on yourself, the projection to other and that engagement with other is not as robust and helpful as it could be. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the way that I am compassionate with myself is that um, very broadly, I am very forgiving, right? Like I don't have, I don't look at my life as things I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. I look at my life as things I am doing. And when I find myself in the, oh my God, I'm not doing this. I'm not a good mom. I'm not getting as many clients as I should. I'm not making as much money as I should, which all come into my mind. I realize that I'm still, I'm still trying and I'm still working really hard and I have a lot of kind of balls in the air. And so that's okay to sometimes feel like that. From a practice standpoint, I kind of uh, come in and out of meditation, not meaning in a moment, like one week I'll be really great at meditating. And then, you know, for two weeks I'm totally shit. And then I'm great about it again. Um, it's not about exercise. It's fine. Me too. I like exercise every day. And then like for two weeks I'm like, mm, I'm good. I'm also like that about exercise. <laughs> I'm, I just don't have, I, I, Blame this that I, I say I don't have an addictive personality and thus I can't say yeah. I can't say like I wish I had some addictive tendencies. Well you do to work. I do to work. Oh god. Yeah. Well that is so true. That is so true. And then I think I realize that life comes in seasons too. So some seasons I'm really busy and I'm nailing the work thing and maybe I need to provide more time for my family, but I'm not, but that's a season. And then other seasons I can focus on my family. And so it's just a level of Self-compassion meaning I'm okay where I am today as long as I'm trying hard to be a good person and to be a good mom and to be a good friend and to be driving change that I see needs to happen through my work or through interpersonal interactions you know okay so here's where Barbara Walters comes back in and it's like land the plane yeah so we all try and then sometimes we don't want to try or there's a time when we're not trying. Yeah. Um, and so if you can be compassionate when you try, what does it look like if there's a point where it's just like, fuck it. Today I'm I'm not trying. I'm just going to show up. Or does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I have an answer for you. I don't think it happens for me. So I don't actually think I feel that way. Okay, cool. I wrote something on my mirror the other day that has been really helpful for me. I wrote in this terrible eyeliner pencil that you can't wash off your eyes. Like it'll just be stuck to you for like three days. So anyway, it now writes on mirrors for me. And I wrote (laughs) use of self. 
And so every morning I wake up and I look at that and I think, how do I want to use myself today? Like what does use of self look like? Even if it's just in small interactions, um, how do I get intentional about the way in which I show up? And so I don't, I don't know the not, um, I don't really feel like I just say, fuck it today is what it is. I feel like every day I'm kind of moving. I'm, I'm having these conversations with myself around how can I show up best in this moment? How can I show up? Oh shit, I didn't show up good in that moment. What was that born from? It can become a little bit exhausting, but it's So it's asking yourself why when like something might not have gone the way that felt like it could have gone. Yeah. Yeah. I had this moment yesterday. I got an email from someone that I felt was um, passive aggressive, which I don't do well. I have to tell you, I do aggressive aggressive real well. Like if you just want to come at me, that's cool. That's cool. Bring it. We can definitely do that dance. No worries. Um, But don't kind of sidestep me a little bit. I just don't under, and and via email really makes me uh, frustrated. And I, I, this person is a kind person and they just got really nasty over email and it threw me for till this morning. I was talking to, to my mom about it on the way into work and I have to wrestle with that and say, okay, what is that? It made me want to be nasty in return. It made me then kind of nasty to my husband, right? Like it made me not show up positively for Leela, my four-year-old, like because of this damn email, right? So I have to figure in those moments, I have to think what is happening and be reflective and then change. And also technology. I feel like what we say over technology is so much more excruciating than what we say to each other's faces. Like you can- Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. and, And just the way like- because we, we read the words on a screen, and then we're also hearing that person's voice if we know them, so we know kind oh. of their tone, and then we're generating the story mm-hmm. of the words, or, you know, if you're intuitive or empathic, like, you kind of feel the energy mm-hmm. coming off of the screen, and then you're kind of like, okay, and, and then you have to sit with that, and then you're like, do I want to respond on the screen? Do I choose to have a conversation? Mm. Do I have this, I mean... Technology is like a bless and a curse. Yeah, like. it really is. And I feel like you just need to, if you are feeling negative, don't respond to something. Yeah. Like, right. ju- like golden rule of all of it is just sit. Yeah. Or have somebody else read it before you, or whatever. It, I mean, the very basic things, but we can't just find ourselves in an emotional place unless it's an emotional place of love. And then fire shit off into the universe. Yes. And then you feel better. And you're like, well, now my job is done. And meanwhile, you ruined my night with mm-hmm. my family and me because I am ra- I'm kind of an empath and wrapped up in this shit wondering mm-hmm. what well, this meant. And it's any drama, your mind, your mental <gasps> state of being is just going to go over and, yeah. and, and emotionally. Then that impacts your emotions. And then it generates your spirit and your aura. And ooh. Right, right. And then I wake up this morning and I see my mirror and it says use of self. And I'm like, use of self? I don't want to live in that you know like I don't want to live it was just an email maybe she has things going on maybe I don't I don't know her situation I should probably reach out and grab coffee with her and just kind of level set I'm sure well like how do I get myself out of this rumination around this negativity right and also have a deep desire to be liked as many people do too so then part of my 13 year old girl self says does she not like me why doesn't she like me is she not going to like me forever right oh my god what's that going to be like and so I've got my 13 year old narrative 
fucking with me oh, yeah. alongside all of the other stuff. Like, so, oh my. And then the other part yeah. is like, why do I need to be liked? What if yeah. she doesn't like me? What I if know. this drops, right? Um, and then I just fall in a pool of like whatever on the like, floor. And, I just, <laughs> and then we cry and then we yeah. eat chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we also live in a world of reactivity. Yeah. Everything, I mean, literally there's a universal law of cause and effect. So mm. something, there's a cause and there's an effect and we have choice and we get to choose how we are the effect. And so within our choice, how do we choose love and choose the do good in self to say, I'm going to make a bigger impact and be a bigger person to create and save this world that we don't need to be reactionary beings. We get to be bigger than that. Well, and two, when, and I'm going to go back, I a hundred percent agree with you. And also want to go back to the question about what does saving the world look like? Because that made me, your thoughts made me think of that as well. I think that this kind of interpersonal, these interpersonal moments can also, and we talked, I touched on it briefly, but can make the world a better place. And I don't think that we realize our power in, she didn't realize her power over me. Right. But that's profound. The power she had over me was wild. Right. Mm. And the power that I have with you in these moments is wild. The power Mm. you have with me, like in tiny moments and grand moments and lifelong friendships and moments with a coffee bar in between you, like it is a big freaking deal how you engage with one another. And if you are, I always talk about compassion moving from interest, which is like, Hey, Oh, cool. What's up? She's kind of got a cool sweater on whatever to curiosity like I wonder where she got that from huh she's got a curious face I wonder if she's what she's thinking about to wonderment which is like I wonder how she is who she is what she feels who she loves like how do we move from interest to wonderment with one another and in that can we really have these kind of blip on the radar compassionate moments that can change the world there's a quote in this Krista Tippett book that I refer to all the time um, called Becoming Wise. And for those that don't pay attention to Krista Tippett, if you listen to the podcast, you likely, um, this podcast, podcast on you likely should. Yeah, her podcast on being her website is the same. She's, and she's got a ton of books that are actually wonderful. And I don't make book recommendations lightly because I know I don't have a ton of time. But one of the things she said in that was, we are constantly making each other. And if we know that, if we realize the power that I can make you for the better, Or like that girl did yesterday, she can make me for the worse. I mean, I'm in control too. So that comes into the mix. But if we realize that power, how do we wield that in moments with one another, you know? And I would also say, because this is, we're talking, we're like totally in my world right now, which is like, (laughs) I'm talking too much. I've been pretty good at not talking. But, um, but also I would say that that locus of control of self and doing the self work so that you can be at a point where other people don't have total power over you and you're responding from a place where you can see what is happening without letting it affect you or impact your um, emotions or your reaction time. Like that is possible. The more that we are meditating and we are focusing and we are forgiving and we are staying in our lane of sorts to say like, this is all your stuff happening over here. Like I may have triggered you, something may have occurred, but ultimately like I don't need to allow myself and my energy to get wrapped up in whatever is going on over there. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can love you through your process and know that it doesn't impact me. Yeah, I think you're right. And that, I think that's the hard work, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the hard work is for me, not my husband's name is Blue. And so for me not to then be a shit to Blue, because this woman was a shit to me. Because if we're making each other, well, I'm making Blue, mm-hmm. right? And then Blue is making my daughter. And then now we've got a chain of events from one stupid email. 
Right. And so like, we just, at some point have to stop. I was in a class the other day. Um, Chrysalis does a bunch of, they uh, hold this thing called spiritual paths, which I'm a part of, which is like a series of workshops over a span of five or six months. And we were talking about meditation and we were talking about much of that kind of locus of control and where can we insert ourselves to redirect our emotional energy and things. And they, and he said something that I felt was really forgiving for me, at least he said, you can't, and this is a person's perspective as everything is in the world, right? Somebody's perspective. But mm-hmm. he said, you can't control that reaction. Like you, when, when you read that email and you got upset, you can't control that. You can control the moment after that and the moment after that and the moment after that. You can't stop yourself, bless you. No, I'm just so moved. <laughs> you sneeze when you're moved. I'm going to pretend like I do. Okay. Um, so, you know, you can't, you're going to feel, what I don't want people listening to think is I'm not going to feel pissed off. I'm not going to feel sad. I'm not going to feel hurt. You will. Okay. That's the first, for you to intercept that reaction mm-hmm. is like, it happens in a split of a, se- a second, right? It's a subatomic layer. You can't even get there. Don't yeah. try to get there. You ain't going to get there. It's once it's there, then how do we engage that locus of control and start to work with the way self shows up in, in, in that moment in, in relation to that emotion or to that person? So that's the stuff that I still work on. I'll work on until I die. Well, it is so you know. crazy. It is our physiology response before our mind even has any kind of comprehension. As soon as someone says something, your body is already responding. And even looking at people's body language and facial expressions is creating, you know, a frequency within your physiological self Mm -hmm. that at that deep subatomic layer, you are getting so many messages and you've been programmed to respond, which is why meditation is so powerful because as you can sit with things, you're just redirecting whatever. Yeah biological interaction is occurring so that you change beneath the surface your responses to things before your mind can latch on to something yeah or before you send a nasty email to a really kind person and that's that's why we have a crime of passion murders where you don't get i know your obsession because i listen to the podcast i know your obsession with crime stuff man and i get it but i'm not a criminal (laughs) lawyer which is like the funniest part um, Maybe you were in another life. Maybe I was. Mm. Okay, so going down to kind of some nitty gritty stuff. What is it like balancing two companies when you have one, when they're similar, mm-hmm. so they kind of jive well together, Yeah. but one's very much like about you in a consultant way, like you are a consultant, so your company mm-hmm. is you. The other one is very much not about you. It's about the world and like essentially saving it. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance that? What does that look like? So the good thing is you're right about the first point. They do work together nicely um, because they're both about, in broad terms, making the world a better place. And I, what I realized is I have a series of skills how do I say this in a way that makes total no. sense? Ex- like, embrace it. You're okay. going to say, I have a series of skills. And you should embrace that. What do you do? <laughs> I, have a, I have a unique set, unique set of skills. I, I sound a like a... Unique set of skills. Um, but I, what I decided is, okay, if this is what... If, are the, These are the skills I have. These are the passions that exist within me that are immovable and unshakable. And this is, these are the needs that the world has. And I, I look at the alignment of them. Okay, so what I can't do is see a need the world has to solve for clean water access and me decide, I'm going to be a scientist who does that. I don't have that skill, man. I can't be a scientist. Dude, Although you are important. going for a master's in nutrition. That's true. I am going for a master's in nutrition. You are definitely nutrition. more scientist. I did have to take organic chemistry, which essentially makes me a scientist. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a scientist. <laughs> guys, I Thank you guys. <laughs> failed chemistry and got a D plus because I babysat the professor's kids and went every day after school. You know, I wept uh, two hours a week at least. Yes. For oh, the entire definitely. semester. I believe it. But like, I don't even get to organic chemistry. Mm-hmm. I'm talking chemistry 101. I take remedial. I've never right. failed anything before. Because it's awful. It's hell. It's I mean, if you have true. to take it, you're going to get through it. Please you're don't be worried. Great. But it's, you're not going to cry for it. days. Um, no, but so yes, you have a unique set of skills. And they you're align with, and I've got the, I'm a scientist. Thank to you me, guys. you're a scientist. <laughs> and I have these passions to help and to make the world. And I and some of my skills, I'm a great communications and community engagement consultant. Okay, I am. But they also look like I have a, an ability to attend to people and to listen. And um, I have the deep need to create these compassionate communities. And I have, you know, there's skills beyond the tactical that we all have that are innate that yes. I, I think we don't look at as skills oftentimes, but they are that. Or they get called soft skills. Right. Which really enrages me. Yeah, I don't blame you. Because they're not soft. It's very, it's so much harder to like love someone and yeah. accept them where they are. And like you said, listen mm-hmm. and be than to like take really great notes. No, no, I agree. About I something agree. because you have to listen to take those notes. I don't yeah. know. It's I. Have I think a lot it of does. Feelings. I think it does um, trivialize it a little bit, yes. or marginalize it in a way that's not great. It's you know, not. I was talking to a group of young professionals the other day, and I said, "Okay, if we think of Wonder Woman as a superhero, right? What are her powers?" And they're like, "Well, she's got those armbands, and she's got her lasso of truth, and she can like jump super wicked high because she's like wildly strong." Great. Hair. And I'm like, "Great hair, which is a power." And I said, "Okay, cool. Well, what changes her? What differentiates her from?" The villain that also has powers just as, not the same powers, but powers very similar. It's the fact that she actually wants to make the world a better place. It's the fact that she deeply cares for humanity. It's the fact that like those are her powers too. But we don't think about that as a skill, as a power. And in fact, they can be even learned. Like compassion is a taught skill. Listening is a taught skill. Finding joy is a taught skill. And we think, oh, if we don't have them in aid, we're screwed. We're just not empathetic. You can be, right? Like... You have to work on it. So I think I've found my 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 kind of those intrinsic skills and the tactical ones. And I and that allowed me to understand where I need to work, what I need to do in the world. If I like uniting people, if I like connecting people, those are internal skills. Well, hell, then I'm gonna put it together a forum. I like being in front of people, you know, I don't that doesn't make me nervous. Um, I think collaboration is important and I think that we're better when we when we're together, right? Like I think our brains need to get together to solve for some of this really tough shit. So there you go, mindful mornings. One hour, first Friday every month. Let's just do it and see what happens, man. You know, the other thing with mindful mornings is risk and reward, right? It's very low risk. We'll hold space for 120 people to come and listen to a speaker. Talk about the social good. And you can do with that whatever you'd like to do, you know, on a continuum from talking about it at dinner that night to volunteering your time or giving millions of dollars. Like any of that is all good. And then that also led me to, so that was the expression, much an expression of me in Mindful Mornings. And then well work was, okay, I'm great at communications and marketing. I'm really good at community engagement. I love developing programs and designing them and doing workshops and things like this. And these companies that seek to help oftentimes don't necessarily have those internal skills that I can bring to bear. And so, okay, I've got these skills. I have these passions. I know I want to make the world a better place. These companies have this need for my, let's just align all of those things. Um, And so they work really well together because it's the same mission and it's similar skills and all of that, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. Yeah. 
would say so. So how do you go about beginning? So thinking now that Mindful Mornings has only been a thing for a year mm-hmm. and you're already across all these markets in the United States mm-hmm. with many potential and well work began eight months ago mm-hmm. and now it's like a thing that's launching into the world. What does that look like behind the scenes in terms of building them and yeah. structure and process and then what does that look like as things continue to grow in terms of that constant shift of roles and constant looking forward? Mm. So, oh God, that's a damn, like, what does it look, what did I, <laughs> so I reflect on the things that I've done and I think much of them were just, uh, how do I say, how do I admit this? Um, they weren't really thought through, <laughs> you know, that's like okay. I just, it was a lot of following instinct. I have followed my intuition to this very chair, right? I just all the time, listen to where I think the world needs me and just say yes. And so some of it is not totally thought through. Some of it is not even half-baked. It's like dough in the blender, maybe. Maybe it's ingredients on the counter and I'm just rolling with it. Well, which is funny because you are very thought out. Like, I feel like you are, as a person, and like the way you attack your goals and stuff is very thought out. So like learning to be able to be like, or embrace the side that says like, okay, I'm going to just follow my intuition. Like, that has to be kind of hard or a little bit of... Because you even came in here, you were like, I wanted to write out things we were going to talk about. And we were like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that's true. That's not what that's we do. That's the control freak in me, yeah. So, like, there's part of you that's kind of a little bit of a control freak, but then there's mm-hmm. part of you that's like, no, I listen to my intuition. So how do you, again, balance those two? So I think what I think what happens is that if I were to follow a linear flow, I have a tattoo on my side that says, let the universe take care of the timing. You just stay open and keep on walking. And I agree with the open and walking. And I agree with driving the shit out of it too. So like, that's the part that's not there. And the quote was from my Aunt Beth, who was a Reiki healer on a commune in Atlanta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Yeah. She was wild. She was like my spiritual love fest. Oh my God. And uh, she's passed away now. She actually died of lung cancer, but she was like my life sensei. Like the person, we had passed petitions back and forth by email. We were very plagued by the world not being great or whatever. Um, So I've thought about that often, but I think the way that that it flows is it starts with that, which is I'm feeling called somewhere to do something. And then I say, huh, where and why? And what is that about? And if the calling stays, right? You could liken it to the shirt you see at a store and you think about the damn shirt like three days later and you're like, yes. I got to get the shirt, man. Yes. That's kind of the way I feel about my, my callings or my intuitions of like, okay, you're knocking on the door. You're knocking, you're knocking. I run that up against, do, do I have the skills? Do, is this a passion of mine? Is this? So there's some set of a filter, right? Is this going to make the world a better place? Like I have those things. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's do that thing. And then I just drive it step by step by step by step. So with well work, I got the clients before I branded the company. I just wanted to see if I could even do that, you know? Right. And then I labored over the branding and then I built the website in Squarespace and then I, and then I, and then I, it's just step, 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 step. And along the journey, I try to attend to people and give them of my time and my space and have compassionate conversations. And if somebody says you should go meet with Caroline, I say, If that feels right, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll do it, right? I follow people's breadcrumbs. So there's a lot of different things that allow me to get from from nascent idea to execution, but it's just staying open. It's just listening to that and it's driving the shit out of it. It's just working really hard too. Does that answer the question in some capacity? Okay, good. I hope so. Because I don't think it's just, I don't want people to think it's just intuition. 
Right. And I think a lot of times we talk about things, I mean, especially in like business and like starting your own business and like the entrepreneurial journey and being like, just like follow what you think is going to happen and like follow your heart and follow your intuition and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you also have to really work freaking hard. Yeah, and people don't talk about that part as much either because mm-hmm. it's not the fun, sexy part. It's like, no, you can follow what you know is right and like follow your heart and follow your dreams. But at the same time, you really have to work hard. You have to work hard. And I think you all know this very acutely, which is then you have to be very comfortable living on a slight roller coaster of, I'm nailing it. I'm totally fucking it up. I'm nailing it. Why am I here? I'm nailing it. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is the thing. That's a life roller coaster. That's just not a starting business roller coaster. But it becomes like a starting business on top of a life. So you get in both, right? It's like a double, double hit. So you have, and everybody feels that, but that can't derail your drive. Right. As long as you know you're in the right, you're headed in the right place or headed to, to the right place rather. So, and I'm a hell of a organized person for the most part. So my calendar tells me what to do. I use bullet journaling as the method to like keep my time straight and my tasks straight. Um, I task myself in Asana, which is like a team man- teamwork kind of system or a task management system. So I try my best to also be really efficient and productive with my time, which is helpful. I love efficiency. It's great. I do too. Oh my gosh. I love tasks. I love lists. I, you know what made me so sad last night? I looked at Blue. I was, I was uh, wanting, I did something that was on my list in my mind. And then I opened my list in my journal and it wasn't there. So you didn't get to cross I didn't get to cross anything. Oh, you should have just written it down. And That's what he said. He oh, said, I why do don't you write it down and cross it off? Because yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> I'm like, no. You got to give to yourself that. that satisfaction. You I just know. add it and say. And it was a big one, y'all. Damn it. Uh, I know. I know. I totally do that, though. If I realize I haven't written it down anywhere, I will just write it down and check it off really quick. But so now I'm trying to, because I have a team member who I talk about all the time and how much I love her, Marissa. Yeah. She, like, I need to move it into the digital space. And for some reason for me, it is just so hard to move from just my little paper. I have, like, a notepad, Mm -hmm. like a long notepad list for me to move it from there into the new space. Just... For some reason, I can't get around it. Well, I you think still there's have to check it off. I know, but there's a lot of power in writing too. I don't. Yeah. I think that if you're someone who likes to write, think about journaling. Like journaling yeah. is another way that I keep my shit together. You know, and if I'm feeling like okay, meditation isn't accessible to me today, but I need to process this through. All right, and I. I was actually journaling last night because of this silly thing. Heavens to Betsy. Anyway, and uh, I thought. God, we're such a digital culture. We're moving away from how powerful this is to process our thinking and our feeling, I yeah. think. It's not everybody, you know, but so even just the writing of your tasks, I don't think people who like to write have to stop. Maybe they put it in both places. I'm sure there's going to be a tool at some point to like take a photo and it scans into some teamwork or oh task management system. Yeah. Wouldn't that be right? Like somebody somebody should make you that. deposit a check. That's exactly right. Someone yeah. Like a mobile that. deposit of your tasks. Yeah, that yeah. would be amazing. App idea right here. Just give it to us for free. It's fine. Just go with it. Yeah. Just give please us act, Please actually give us that. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Just give us a membership for free. It'll be fine. You should just go do that. Whoever's listening. Thanks. Yes, yes please. Yes, please. Um, okay, cool. So uh, another thing we ask people is like, what is the best business advice you've ever received from someone and how do you implement that into the work that you do? Oh man, the best business advice I've ever received from someone. I don't know y'all. I, I really, here's the deal. Yeah. Nothing comes to mind. No person comes to mind. No advice comes to mind. 
I, I think the best business advice I give, but I don't know if somebody gave it to me or not, maybe they did, is to listen. I know I, I'm a, I harp on that a lot, but I actually think it's so, a couple of things happen when you deeply attend to someone and you really listen, not seeking to re reply, but truly seeking to understand. So someone told me once, I love this guy, he said, well, so maybe this is good advice, there you go. He said, be, he meant it in regards to keynote speaking, but he said, be interested, not, or be interested, not interesting. So don't worry about performing, focus on caring, focus on being interested in the other person. And as a consultant, that's been complicated for me because you feel like you need to have all the answers, right? They think you're wicked smart. They're sitting down with you and shit, you better solve for stuff fast. That's not the way my brain works, period. And I've had to come into acceptance of that to say, I'm someone who likes to listen to you, take that back, think about it, process it, create a plan from there. But I think that's universal, right? When we meet with people or have moments of conversation, we seek to reply. We don't seek to deeply understand and attend to them as much as we should. So the best business advice maybe I actually got from that guy and didn't realize that that was happening then. And the, what, the best advice I give is to genuinely listen. If you're a leader, genuinely listen to understand. If you're not, genuinely, like, genuinely listen to understand. Our souls want to be recognized by one another. That's deeply what they want. When you attend to people, you're recognizing that person's soul. You're seeing them for exactly who they are and they feel that. So you're building a relationship, a lasting bonding relationship. Wildly powerful. Also what happens when you listen without trying to respond is you solve for shit. You really do. You're like, oh my God, well, well, that could be like this and this could be like that. And this person should connect with that person. And here's because you have created the space for your mind to be truly open to possibility, not be wrapped up in providing answers. Right. And so I have found, especially in my consulting work, once I accepted those truths, I am way more effective and I care more deeply for people and they care more deeply for me. And that allows me a level of influence that is genuine that I didn't have before too. So there's all of these wonderful byproducts of really looking at someone and moving from interest to curiosity to that wonderment and providing them the space. So that's probably my best business advice. That's Sweet. awesome. That's something I really had to work on a lot. I know I, I work on that on the reg, so. It's really hard. It's very it's hard. So well, you're hard. in a similar profession where you've got to have the answers, right? People expect you to have the answers. Right. I've started with my nutrition clients. I now mm. sit down. I don't take them often, and I'll, I'll caveat to say I'm actually probably not taking any more. I am doing group workshops, but I'm not taking individuals. But I say to them in the moment, I am actually not going to give you any answers right. today. Because what, based on... Um, different biases I have in my brain, I fear that I'll solve for your issue right. in the same way I solve for the last person's in the same way I solve for the last person's because that's right at the forefront of my mind. What I'd like to do is totally attend to you and listen to you now and then try and then give me 24 hours and I'll give you a solution. Yeah. And no one's like, oh, no. my God, you're not solving for my stuff right away. You're I not going to give me right answers. Now. They so appreciate you being thoughtful, man. Yeah. And just giving them the space right. to even talk about some of right. the things they're facing. So that has really empowered me to say, uh, guess what? I won't have the answers for you right now. I don't want to have the answers for you right now. I want you and I just be human together. You know, okay. and then I'll find those. So, so. if people do want to find you, speaking mm. of finding those, yes, we're, we are perfect on time right now. P.S. Um, Feeling it. If people do want to find you, yeah, 
Where do they find you? Where are all the places? Yeah. Okay. So they can go to either mindfulmornings.org and all the Mindful Mornings stuff is there. Mindful Mornings. Yep. There's nests on the end of that. And by the way, mindful, I might mention is for Mindful Mornings, we... Mindful is about taking notice of the way in which we relate to the external community. Mindfulness is the internal work that allows that work to happen. But Mindful Mornings doesn't really address that. We partner with people that do. Um, so I just want to be clear there. So mindfulmornings.org. And then um, wellworkco.com. And my email address is abundantly clear on both of those. So people can reach out to me there if they have any questions or want to start a chapter or want to talk more about listening and attending to people or compassion or whatever. You let me know. Sounds good. Well, if you want to find us, Suze, where can you find us? You can find us at www.nexttuesdaypodcast.com. If you like what we're doing and you want to... Love on us. Love on us a little bit, you can become a Patreon subscriber at the donation of your choice or a $5 flat rate per month. Or you can just donate on PayPal on our website or www.patreon.com slash You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Next Two's Podcast. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. 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 Yay. I feel like we harmonized.